Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Thank you guys. Can the worship team come back up? Seriously? I gotta go to the bathroom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do have to go to the bathroom, but, uh, jeez, <laughs> I will. It was a joke that didn't land. My bad. All right, no more jokes from here on out, I promise. Yeah, I should have known. All right, I promise I will be stone cold serious the rest of the time, and none of you are going to be smiling. Honestly, though, that might, that might be the case. If this is your first time coming to church in a little while, or um, maybe even coming here, you might have sensed maybe a little bit of an, uh, in intensity um, that in, in my growing up in church is a little bit different um, than what I am actually accustomed to um, but today I want to talk about spiritual warfare want to talk about deliverance want to talk a little bit about uh, demons which that's heavy stuff but I do think that it is a strong uh, lack in the in the body of Christ as a whole that we don't have a, a great understanding of the war that we're actually actually fighting but in the base level the, the 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 deepest part of my heart my heart is that we as a body here me as a person that we would do ministry just like Jesus would as if he were in our shoes right I don't want any other way so if I've seen Jesus in the Bible doing these things making an emphasis on the beauty and the importance of it then it would be wrong for us to dismiss and just and, you know, kind of wash over these things and not be educated and not activate you know, these gifts if, if Jesus had it. Really a deep place in his heart that this was something very, very needed uh, for his people. Um, I would love to just talk about love the whole time. Uh, I, I mean, keep you know, things, things really, really simple and kind of like, and as you know with Matt, we just, we just don't do, do that around here. You know, we, we go hard. So here we are. Um, I just, I want to pray first and kind of give us a, a little bit of cues as to what this type of conversation might arise out of you as it, some, it can be a little bit different. But Lord, um, I ask that you would just come and, and just bless these words. The Lord, you would take all the glory. The Lord, even if I had nothing profound to say if you are behind it then God it can change our hearts I pray that you would just open up our ears and that you would just deliver all distractions away from us you would just key us in to exactly what you want us to say uh, and want us to hear and Lord that in this rest of the service Lord you would just have your way as if you were preaching so Lord just move me out of the way and just help me. Amen. Whew. One of the best prayers I ever help. <laughs> so I want to I wanna talk about deliverance out of the place of understanding that it's not, uh, as, as, as I think it's easy to kind of take your brain to a place of like, oh, this, some people, they're, they're talking about uh, demons and spiritual warfare because it's kind of like a hot topic. It's kind of controversial, and that person's trying to, like, catch some... Um, attention and stuff like that but I don't I don't like particularly talking about these things 
I really, really love just like talking about the love, the compassion, the beauty of what Jesus has done on the cross and in his ministry, all of the prophecies that he's fulfilled that show the fullness of his love and what he's really delivered to us. But as well, this is part of the equation that there's a real fight going on. The only way that we can enter into this fight properly is to understand the full inheritance that we have via the Holy Spirit, that if Jesus truly said, it's better that I go so that the advocate may come. So what does that mean? That means the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the one that we have. So we would have a lot of DNA that Jesus has, and we would operate a lot like the apostles. But what I have found looking around, not, not, not specifically here, even though we have, we have areas to grow, of course, and, and all the time, um, but the, the church now is kind of fighting with weapons that aren't effective in where the world currently is. Um, so my, my main scripture, if you want to put that up in Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 13, I'm going to do everything that I can to back up everything that I have to say with scripture. Seems like a good idea. And we can chat uh, in even more depth if you'd like to after the service with any questions that you have. Um, here it says, boom. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, if you want to hit that uh, video real quick, Uh, there's audio that'd be really cool. Yeah, helpful. Can we throw, re rewind it? If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The so I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which are in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, 
I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Uh, Paul Harvey, who's a famous radio broadcaster, he uh, shared this in 1965. He passed away in 2009. I wonder what he thought towards the end of his life about the progression right. that's taken place so, so fast yeah. in his adult life to the end of his life. The first time I heard this was 2017, and it like it, it blew my mind. Maybe like some of you guys, your mind might be blown seeing the the ends of like how the devil might be working in ways that you might not have been so acutely aware of. That this is just kind of the way things are. But this is this is a forwarding motion that the devil has at play, and he's doing a great job. And I listened to this today. And it still, it still breaks my heart, but that seems to me to be rated PG. It doesn't seem as intense as what I'm seeing right. in the media. Right. Even he goes to incredible depths to share like what we are seeing right here and now. But even from five years ago, I'm like, dude, he nailed it. To 2023, only five years later, seeing the full richness as if the devil spat on us and said, you haven't seen anything yet. In only five years, we've seen just an incredible movement. The devil is making what was commonly shameful among a general population into something to be proud of, and if you're not proud of it, then you're a bigot. Right. The, greatest, the greatest weapon that the devil holds is acceptance in the name of love. It's a twisted counterfeit of love where acceptance is the only form of it, but never correcting or helping or encouraging to change into going into a greater path. Yeah. One of, the, one of the, the biggest arguments against a person like myself that would just be so easily to just turn you and twist you into a hateful person would just be like, why, why do you even care? Why, why does, it doesn't even affect you. Like, just, just leave, them, leave them alone, right? But this is, this is kind of the idea that, he's, that, that Paul Harvey is talking about with just kind of making 
a generation soft and sitting down and really like just not being courageous and bold. Yeah. Those are a couple arguments that, that last weekend I was, I was in the car with some friends and somebody just brought up, you know, a topic about the, the, Bud, the Bud Light can. And they're like, what? they said these exact same things. And to myself, I had, I had other believers in the car that I'm a person that they would look to, to, you know, stand up. And I, I didn't say anything. I didn't want the argument. I didn't want to bring it up. And I just kind of sat back and just, just like looked at my Christian friends like, whatever. But what, 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 what I kind of fell victim to is being a little bit of a part of the spineless and blind generation. Yeah. So it's spineless because acceptance is always easy, but correcting is, is hard, right. and it doesn't always pay off. Yeah. And it's a blind generation because the truth might be looking you right in the eyes with all the rationality and answers that it could provide, but if you choose not to see the truth, then you, you won't. And I don't really want to get into this uh, too much, but I feel like, man, I just like, there's, I've been a part of this church. I've been a part of like when a pastor comes up and he, he says something like this, and it's, it's controversial in our world, and people get right up out of their chairs and they just, they just leave. Because immediately saying something like this is, is it's easily, more easily triggered to being hateful than anything else. But when we're having such a strong agenda being pushed, that, that I looked up yesterday, I was like, what, what is the complication rate of these sex change surgeries? I was like, I thought it was like 67% or something like that. It's above 50. And I look up an article where a, a surgeon who actually performs these says that it's 100%. Because the maintenance of these surgeries to be, get your body to be able to, you know, grow into like having something so unnatural and be normal as they would attempt. It's just, you're gonna need to keep on having surgeries. And you're, you're not gonna, it's not gonna solve, you know, the issue. So that is why I care. That is why it does affect me. Is because just in the same way that my kids someday are gonna be contrary to me, where I grew up in school and they said, what do you wanna be when you grow up? It was obvious that it was about my occupation someday. Yeah. But when my kids are going to go to school, they'll be asked, what do you want to be one day? And it's going to be strictly and only pertaining to their sexual ideology, who they want to be, and who they want to have intercourse with. C.S. Lewis wrote, Evan, where are you, man? He loves C.S. Lewis. He's, he's like a descendant of C.S. Lewis or some product. Um, <laughs> but if you, uh, he, he wrote, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will get neither comfort nor the truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. What we have uh, against us is an opponent that is truly and kind of inspiringly operating in faith and not by sight. The exact way that we as Christians are called to. Yeah. Operating in complete faith, even though there's no actual evidence that this is going to lead them to salvation, lead them to uh, a prosperous life, there's just no evidence of it. But in faith, they stand strong, and it's inspiring to see their boldness and their strength on something that doesn't actually have a foundation. Yeah. And it's blind because, yeah, the, the, the stats are there, but it's, if you close your eyes to it and you don't want to see the truth, then you simply won't. 
the American church is, is in, a, in a tricky place because we, have, we are the opposite. We have to make sense of everything. If I can preach to your brain to get you to be able to accept and believe, I have to get you to convince you that Jesus is a real guy. I have to convince you that you are sinful. I have to convince you of all of these things rather than preaching to your, to your heart, preaching to your spirit and rising something up out of you that the, one of the most inspiring things I've ever heard is that there was a revival at the Brownsville Revival and somebody came in and they said, I didn't need anybody to tell me I was a sinner. I just felt the presence of the Lord and I knew. Yeah. I knew something was wrong. Nobody needed to tell. <laughs> and that's, that's who, the, the people that I want to be. But we found ourselves in the American church preaching a cerebral gospel that is completely and only for your brain to grasp or to reject when we have an incredibly, incredibly powerful and spiritual enemy that is operating in more of the spirit than a lot of Christians are. A lot of the world is more spiritual than the church is. So we don't have a Christian people who are operating in the absolute fullest inheritance that we should be. This is why we need deliverance. Deliverance is the delivering or casting out of uh, an evil spirit. So when I would look around at the church, and this is maybe something that you haven't run into a lot, but this is definitely something that I've run into a lot with a lot of uh, church leaders and stuff, is they, they, they kind of like keep me away at arm's length because they don't want me to have any influence on you know, other people's uh, sheep. When I'm trying to you know, teach about deliverance, cast things out, help them, like, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more later. <sighs> but I get turned into a bad guy real quick, and it's, it's upsetting because it's littered throughout, uh, throughout Scripture, and Jesus thought it was a pretty sick idea to free people in this way. So in Mark 6, 17, Jesus says, okay, so let's just imagine. He's speaking to Mark. He starts out and he says, these signs will follow those who believe. Okay, if Mark is walking around, America, and he's going into just a building. Could be this building, could be that building, could be whatever building. What I'm about to say are the signs that he would look for that would mark a believing group of people, yeah. right? Yeah. So what does he say? These signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents. I'm going to have Matt. He's actually going to preach a full sermon on taking up serpents next week. I'll be honest. I don't know the fullness of what that is. I need to research it a little bit more. Um, but we do have snakes in the back just in case the Lord uh, gives us a revelation. Uh, just, so, um, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Uh, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Yes. So if Mark was looking around, he went into this church versus that church, to a bowling alley, to that, would he be able to see the giftings that Jesus is talking about that mark a believing people? Yeah. Imagine if he, imagine if, you know, that were basic Christianity, where the basic Christian just walked in these things, and that just as Jesus said, you, you go into church, like, this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. Like, imagine that. Imagine the power. Imagine that it wouldn't feel with the enemy so lopsided and how, like, effective and strong, you know, the enemy has on our, on our, our country, right? But instead, 
we're we're pretty content to just just kind of you know keep those things at bay, but not not this church, not not if we we can we can help it, not if we can just do ministry the way that Jesus wants us to do it. So I feel like Jesus would just be like, really, bro, you have to say that. But the gifts are good. Yeah. The gifts are good. Amen. Uh, Jesus used miracles all the time yes. to build up and show and fully display his character, yes. to fully show and display his rescuing power. Yeah. Even so much so that he healed one person and he just said, now go and sin no more. Yeah. Now go and sin no more. That's a six word sermon. It's only as effective as it was the miracle that preceded that six-word sermon. Imagine if we had a body of believers who were laying hands on the sick, who were being able to detect and see the different, different things that are going on when a demon is activating in somebody's life, and were able to help and deliver and come to the rescue because this world is not just about flesh and blood. It's not, we're not even fighting that battle. We're far beyond it. So we can see into the supernatural and see that there's a, a, a actual play that we can have in somebody's life. Yeah. Then we don't need to be expert speakers like Matt. Preaching is sick. The dude can slay. He's, I call him the fire-breathing dragon. Like he's, He can rip it, bro. But if you're not of that gifting, imagine just preaching six-word sermons that are equally, if not more, effective because of the, the power and move of God that is happening. Yeah. Because we're, the world needs that. They, are, they got a lot. The devil has a lot going for him. The only thing that's going to break that walking by faith and not by sight that the world has going for them is to open their eyes to an incredible light that no matter how hard they squeeze their eyes shut, there's going to be light coming through their eyelids. So, where the heck was I? I said that. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Um, ultimately, I, I don't, like I said before, I don't want to just, just talk about demons, but I, I, I want to talk about God's love. And that, that the fact of the matter is, is that we sometimes, in my experience, we feel like if you're going to talk about the gifts, then you have to exchange love and take the gifts instead, and that it's not, not actually both. You can have both. Yeah. We're that's, that's, that's why we operate out of the gifts, yeah. right? So... I want to share uh oh sorry, I don't want to share that. Sorry. Um, so I pursue the gifts because Paul said to pursue the gifts. So I want to make it clear that I'm doing it because, you know, the Bible says so and not because I'm trying to catch, you know, some like look cool or anything like that, because it's way easier to be a Christian and not operate in the gifts. You operate in the gifts for two seconds, you're gonna realize you know the, the amount of coolness that you see versus the difficulty as well. The dynamic there is actually something very strong and very bold um, to have to walk in. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, to eagerly desire, or it even says, to covet earnestly the gifts. The Greek word for this is zeluo, which means to burn with zeal, to lust for, to desire earnestly and pursue, to envy, to strive for, to busy oneself about. And I don't think that Paul could have picked a stronger word than Zeluo. I, I don't, I, that's, that's about just as, as strong as it gets. Yeah. But then therefore, thereafter, it talks about 
uh, Paul explains that if he has, you know, a gifting, but he doesn't have love, then he's, he's nothing but a clanging gong, and so he, he doesn't actually have, have anything, right? So when we're pursuing these things, like, love, love comes with it. I, 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 I don't really want to have this conversation, you know, a lot more. It's just frustrating to me that they, they, they do get separated, and it, and it really is a shame. So I've been pursuing healing, deliverance, and tongues and prophecy for probably about four years. And without boasting, this is going to sound really cocky, um, I've, I've probably seen more miracles than what the basic normal American Christian has probably seen, period. Um, and I, if you know me, I love God like crazy. I love him. Dude, he's the man. I do anything for him. He'll do anything for me, almost. <laughs> but it doesn't come at the cost of love. In reality, when you, when, when you meet somebody who is in such a deep, dark place that just has no way out, and instead of feeling like you're going to, like, there's, there's a level. There's, there's praying for somebody, and then there's, like, praying an audacious, incredible, powerful prayer where you're asking for God to do only what he can do, and no, no, no other prayer can really compete. You're asking for a miracle. What I've found is that when I've, I've prayed for people, I've, pray, I've, been, I've prayed two types of prayers. I prayed the prayer where I'm like, Lord, if you really want to, would you do this thing? Like, would you heal them? Lord, if you think that that would be cool, would you do it? But your will be done. Amen. And then you just come in, in partnership with what the Lord has already made obvious, and you lay your hands and you tell the thing to go. You command because the Holy Spirit has given you authority over these things to leave and to flee. And what you will find is that there's more of an exchange happening in that moment of absolute faith where in, somebody starts tearing up because somebody, whether you see the miracle right there in that moment, but you will see somebody who is encountering such a powerful love because somebody's willing to look crazy and hit the nail on the head for what they're truly believing for and wanting to their, to their absolute core. So it displays more love. Because if we're thinking about it, rather than speaking, hey, if you would want to type of prayer, we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And it fights against the powers of darkness. And we're really going to ask God if he wants to win or not. It's crazy. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that says that this war is not against flesh and blood. Wear the armor. Holy Spirit de delivers the armor, right? Yeah. Lord, if it's your will to win a fight, if you feel like losing today, that's okay. But, man, yeah, just let me know. Thanks. <laughs> Don't tell me if you're healed or not. I'm just going to head out. You know, it's like, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't look like that. Jesus didn't pray like that. That's not what we see. We see Jesus commanding what he's, what he's looking for, and he sees that. I want to share a quick testimony about something that happened at uh, Bayshore Camp, which is a camp that um, I've gotten a lot of practice, as well as seen incredible, incredible things uh, at. So um, we had a bunch of young guys all crowd into a 90-degree uh, cabin that had no bunks or no nothing and they're just littered like a little ocean of a bunch of kids sitting down like crisscross applesauce on the floor and you just start sharing some testimonies about healing and 
kids start to like get a little bit of faith going. I like to share some testimonies before something, you know, we ask the Lord to do something because there's a faith exchange that is really, really incredible that I want to talk about after this. But we start praying and before this, there was one of the counselors who had historically some really, really bad back pain. They, their back hurt so bad that they, uh, their, their junior year, that they either needed to get surgery and not play basketball that season, or they needed to get the nerves burnt off of their back so that they could move well enough to be able to proceed and play basketball that year. So what he chose as a temporary solution is, you're gonna need surgery someday. But in the meantime, we're going we're gonna to fry your nerves so that you can play basketball. Also, there was something with his, uh, his hips that were messed up. I didn't know any of these things until afterwards. Not going to spoil it. Uh, he might have got healed. He might not have. Not going to tell you yet. Um, but it was, it was really bad. Like some of the most messed up things that I've ever heard happening to a young man's body. So... Some of the counselors actually had to like pick him up and carry him into the room and he's sitting over there in the corner like in a lot of pain. And from my position, seeing an injury that bad naturally, it kind of triggers me to be like a little bit, a little bit nervous. I'm like there's something crazy that really needs to be taken care of here. So start sharing some testimonies and I ask, does anybody want to be healed? The reason I ask that is because I want to see them step out with even a little bit of mustard seed type of faith. Are, does, is anybody actually going to raise their hand? One kid raises his hand, and he could only raise his arm up to here. And if you know anything about basketball, you're going to stink at basketball if you can only raise your, <laughs> raise your arm up to here. His jump shot was broke. So, so he comes up, and nobody really knows what's going on, except a few of us counselors, and um, we're just praying for his shoulder. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's a little bit better. So we're like, all right, we're going to pray again. We pray a second time. And he starts swinging his arm around, and he's all better. So there's like, the, people are kind of getting a little bit more curious. as kind of like, what, what is going on? But the first people to stand up after they've seen that boldness from somebody a little bit older than them were the youngest kids. And I've never seen this before, but as you've read in the Bible, it says, uh, have childlike faith, right? So these kids are legitimately this, this tall. They have hurt shoulders. They've popped shoulders out before, hurt knees, just like just, just a lot of little weird, weird injuries that even are happening in these little kids, right? So pray for a kid, and it always happened in one prayer. It was like really easy to pray for the young kids because they didn't have any baggage that was yes. holding them back for thinking that it should happen any other way. Yes. So when they come to them and you're like, hey, like, this is the way that it works. <laughs> In Jesus' name, be healed. Yeah. Pain, leave them. Amen. They're like, oh, yeah, it's all good. And they start dancing. They start crying. They start jumping up and down. And we just, every time somebody got healed, we're clapping. So we're just like having little like amounts of clap, clapping. And one of my co-counselors was just like, couldn't we pray for more people if like we split up? So there I was thinking, like, you needed me. And he's like, we don't need you. Like, we're just going to go pray for little kids too. So there's clapping, happening all over the room. And finally, the big dog, the kid that I talked about earlier. So Micah comes up to me and he's like, dude, Cade, his, he's, he's really hurting. I'm like, all right, I feel like there's a lot of faith in the room. Let's, let's, let's pray for him. So we go over there. 
And unknowing how hurt he was, I grabbed his arm and I tried to pull him up. And he was completely dead weight and he couldn't get up. So I was like, all right, you guys got to help me. Like, try to lift him up onto his feet. And he's like hunched over like this. And just like in a ton of pain. Kind of mad that I made him stand up at all. But he's just kind of leaning on the wall. So we lay hands on his back. And we have a full room. More, more people than are here. A bunch of little kids probably like three, if we added all of our ages up, probably three times less, and a bunch of tiny hands raising their hand towards Cade, praying for the Lord to heal him. We pray, we're like, all right, how you feel? Nothing. All right, we're praying again. Lay hands on him, and we pray, and he reaches down, how he would test if he's feeling any better, is he'd reach down, and now he could touch his knees. So we're like, all right, we're praying again. So we pray again. He's like, no, it's not any better. We're like, we pray again. He reaches down and he falls on the ground and he screams. Imagine the faith killer that that is in that moment with a bunch of kids who've never experienced anything like this. Like, I got healed, you got healed, but maybe, like, what can happen in your brain is you think maybe all this is fake. Maybe this is all fake. Maybe God's not actually that powerful because Cade... Like, he's not, this isn't working. It's not working. Like, so I had all of those same thoughts that I feel like everybody else did in the room. People are kind of looking at me like, what, what's, what's going to take place here? And he falls on the ground. He starts crying. And everyone's just kind of like lost hope. So I had a moment where I, I bolstered myself up that even though I have this doubt, even though I have this fear that I'm going to look like an idiot, I rose up and I said, does anybody feel like quitting? Does anybody feel like quitting? Is anybody scared? Because I'm scared. But what I've learned and what I've found is that when we come to the end of ourselves is when we actually can see that the Lord is more capable and effective to use us. So in this moment, we all need to rally together and we need to stand up and say, no, this isn't going to happen to my brother. This isn't going to keep hurting him and harming him. So if you're with me, we're going to pray again at the end of ourselves, knowing that there's no capability of me or of you, but only Jesus that we have to lean on in this moment because something needs to be done. So we lay hands on him again and he reaches down and he touches the middle of his shin. He gets a little excited. And we pray again, and he reaches all the way down, and I can't do it. But he got more flexible than he ever was before. He got not only healed, but he got healed to a greater extent than what he was before he ever got hurt. So he gets down on the ground, straight-legged, and slaps both of his hands flat on the ground. And he gets up, and he starts crying. The whole room just starts, like, celebrating, right? What, What followed that is that we got to get the whole camp together, and we got to start doing deliverances, and we got to start uh, doing healings, and a bunch of the counselors were activated to be able to see these things. The clapping was happening all around the room with boys, with girls, with voices being healed, with demons being cast out. And two things happened, a lot of excitement, a lot of questions, and a lot of their pastors not super pumped, which... It's a little, a little upsetting, yeah. especially when we look at what Mark said. 
uh, that Jesus said, um, these signs will follow those who believe. Yeah. And if we're seeing those things, it's a pretty good sign yeah. that, like, you know, like, the devil ain't going to cast out a devil. Yeah. You know, he's going to make a home with them, right? Yeah. So we have there a little bit of pushback, but some of the main keys when it comes to our weapons against is faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And time and time again, we see Jesus admire people for their faith. We even see him go to his hometown, and it says, this is ridiculous. He says that he couldn't do many miracles there because of their lack of belief. They knew, they knew Jesus as a young boy, grew up with him, and saw him, and they had very little faith that, like, any of this stuff could happen. So even Jesus going, moving, and praying, like it said that it just wasn't, wasn't working out, which is just blows my mind. He's the king of the universe, right? right? Yeah. So there's a certain exchange that we need to, need to understand is that one, I've been talking about this a lot lately, so forgive me if you've heard this already, but when Peter walked on the water, he gets out of the boat, and in my mind, there's two of the coolest people on the, on the planet, maybe ever, Jesus and Peter. Peter, he walked on water. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty, pretty cool for me, yeah. right? I would say he's a real faithful guy yeah. to be able to step out. First, he's like, is that a ghost? He doesn't even know 100% sure, but he has a little bit of faith that it might be Jesus. It's either a ghost or it's Jesus, so I'm going to step out on the water? That's nuts, yeah. right? So he does step out on the water, and he starts walking because Jesus said, come. But he looks to the left, and he looks to the right, and he sees the waves, and he starts identifying more with fear than with his eyes on Jesus, yeah. and he starts to sink. Jesus, just as soon as he sinks, maybe he sunk a little bit. Maybe Jesus let him be down there a little while. He picks him up. And what are the first things that Jesus says to him? You have a little faith. Yeah. Not what I would have told him. I'd have been like, bro, that was crazy. Dude, teach me how to do that. I don't care if I can walk two steps. I don't need to walk three. If I can walk two steps on water... Dude, teach me everything you know. That's crazy. But from Jesus' standard, the only standard that matters, he pulls him up. And by Jesus' standard, by Jesus' capability, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Because to Jesus, it's ridiculous. Because Jesus knows better than anybody else his capability and his will. In that moment, that like this, this was for you. That Man, you could have walked all the way to me. And that, that blows my mind. So we can understand what our ability and our greatest weapon is going against the enemy. We also need to understand a little bit about the pushback that we might get from the enemy. So in Daniel 10, 12, Daniel has been praying for 21 days. He's been, he's been in agony. He's been just pleading with the Lord. And an angel shows up and says, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So even an angel was resisted for 21 days, but he was sent and commissioned to go and help on the first day. But there was an exchange happening in the supernatural that, that resisted. So what does that tell you? In the word it says 
to keep praying, keep pray without ceasing, to keep on going. You don't know what's going on. And I believe that in faith, we can really build up and change the dynamics of the fight by continuing on, right? So if, if, if Daniel were to pray for 20 days, I don't know, and then take a break or feel like he's, there's no hope, well, maybe the angel wouldn't have gotten that exchange to be able to come get him sooner. I don't know. But there is a holdup that happens here. We see another uh, important piece of uh, battle information with the seven sons of Sceva, who were Jews and tried delivering a person from a demon by using Jesus as a tool. They said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And the demon replied, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? The demon proceeded to beat them up, tear their their clothes off, and they ran away naked and, and bloodied. They, weren't, they didn't actually have the authority. Yeah. They didn't have the authority in that moment to actually command a demon to leave. But what we see is that the demons knew Paul by the relationship that Paul had with Jesus. Yeah. So in order to gain authority over a demon, you need to have that relationship with the Lord so that they, he can see the equipping and the training that you have been in the secret place under the Lord so that he can equip you so that you can do your work or he, you can do his work, right? So when the person who has been in the secret place, been equipped by the Lord, walks into a room, there's a certain spiritual dynamic shift that happens in the room where there's a certain amount of effectiveness via the faith, via the relationship uh, that that person has. So just imagine this analogy is that if there's a prince or a princess and they know their father who is the king and they've been studying how the kingdom works best, how, the, how their dad wants things to work, been studying his battle plans, what it looks like to execute peace on, on the kingdom, what it looks like to fight well, uh, gets his armor, her armor from her dad that person who walks into a room full of people who have an overthrowing in mind for the kingdom, they're, not, they're gonna have a certain amount of respect knowing that this person who is at the top of the top, having the top amount of training, spent time with the person who is, is completely equipped to defeat them, yeah. there's a certain amount of respect that's gonna happen yeah. in that dynamic shift versus somebody who may be a king or, king or uh, princess or prince, but they haven't spent time with the king they don't really care. They reject his teachings, don't care what his heart is for the kingdom. They're going to walk in the room like a normal person and not have any authority uh, in that space. Um, we're, going to, we're going to try to wrap this up soon. Um, actually, maybe not. Um, I got another testimony. Um, so I shared a healing one. Share a, a, a deliverance one. So... Um, a little while back, there was um, a certain individual, and be very careful not to share names, um, but they were struggling with uh, this, this demon that would just act up in them and make them really just filled with rage. They would get very, very angry just on a dime. So me and one of my, my homies, we were, we were praying because we were getting texts from him saying that like he, he like was planning on killing himself. So. We were like, dude, we're coming over, and he's like, no, don't come over, I'm not going to let you in, blah, 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 like, you can come over tomorrow, and we'll, we'll talk about this. So me and my buddy, we, 
we just sit and we pray. And I received, um, I received a couple, a couple visions. The first one is I saw like a silhouette, a picture of a demon. I could see like his antlers, and I could see different ones that had like different shapes of antlers. Um, and I had another one where I saw a cornfield, and I saw one piece of corn that had its leaves shucked off, and it had one leaf hanging this way and one leaf hanging this way. And if you walk in the prophetic, especially as you're starting out, you're like, what in the heck am, am I seeing? Like, this is, this is just, I'm like, that one might have been on me. I don't know if that's, that's God. But it's like, sure enough, in order to build me up, I, had, I have to share it so that we can see, like, if it, if it, if it uh, gets, yeah. is real or not. So what ended up happening is we go over to this guy's house, and we just start talking to him. We start, like, sharing what we believe is going on with him. And what he was doing the night before is he was going to write an entire letter about what somebody who is close to us has done everything wrong. So literally, this demon was going to manifest and write everything down that was wrong with this person to try to turn us against this person. I knew, like, this is going to be a bad letter. I don't think anyone in the world should read this. However, we show up, and his kid walks into the room with a onesie on. And on the onesie is a, a corn with a little smiley face on it and a leaf shucked off both sides, like, right there. And I was like, dude, there's something with this, like, baby that's like... <laughs> I was like, this baby is the key. <laughs> so me and my buddy, we're, we're like, oh my gosh. We're like hitting each other. And they're like, he's like, what? What are you, what are you doing? He's like, oh, nothing. Um, so we're talking to him. And we're like sharing a lot of wisdom. And you would see him like his eyes would change. His voice would change. You'd get very, very angry. And then you would share something that's true. And then he would kind of lighten up and get kind of nice. And he would have a little bit of compassion. And then he would change and he would start talking like this again. And his baby goes over to this really cluttered um, thing with a bunch of books, a bunch of papers, stray papers and everything, and just grabs this piece of paper and walks over to me. If you know anything about babies and me, they don't walk up to me. Except, <laughs> except Truett. Truett's the only one. My dude. Um, <laughs> but he comes up, he grabs this piece of paper, the first baby that's ever walked to me puts the paper down on the desk and slides it over to me like an adult and then walks away and I meet and, and he says oh that's the the letter that I wrote and I took my cup and I put it on top of that letter and I knew immediately like nobody can ever read this letter so we start praying eventually we get into it we start praying for him and um, he, gets, he gets delivered, and we start seeing repentance. We start seeing, like, him pray an actual compassionate prayer, not one with twisted motives or, like, evil intent with it, but actually one that was just pure and, and holy. Yeah. When we got home, this is a really weird thing. It was just kind of fun. Um, it is kind of fun. I'll be honest with you. Is that okay? Sorry. I'm sorry it's a little fun. But we get, I get home, and I have this letter. And I'm like, we need to burn this thing. So we put it uh, on the outside on the ground, and we take a little lighter or in a match, or I don't know what we were using. We're trying to light this piece of paper on fire, and it wouldn't light on fire. It just wouldn't burn. It was crazy. Luckily, one of my roommates smokes weed. Um, 
I'm just kidding, don't smoke weed. I'm totally not for it, totally against it. But when you smoke weed, you, normally a person has a pretty like, awesome torch. So he gets his torch. Not advocating smoking weed, let me say that one more time. Not advocating smoking weed. But having a nice torch around is a plus. So he gets this t blow torch out. We're like, yo, Evan, we, uh, yo, bro, we need you. And he comes up and he starts torching the heck out of this thing and it still won't light on fire. He's like torching it for like five minutes and finally it starts to burn and it flickers away. We're like praying for like the piece of paper and finally it lights up and it like, like shove it off into the grass and it disappears. Um, there's real like exchange you know, back and forth happening. There's another recent one where, um, actually a couple weekends ago, where we're praying for deliverance, we're laying hands on people, there's a lot of manifesting going on, a lot of shaking, drooling, screaming, and lying, like when you're like praying for somebody and you're like, hey, you good, are all the demons gone? And they smile at you really weird. And they're like, mm-hmm. You're like, no, I don't think they are. <laughs> so, yes, they're gone. Like, Okay, um, we're gonna pray again just in case, buddy. Um, so people are just like falling out. We're praying for this person, this person falls down over here, praying for that person, that person falls out, because there was just a, a spirit of like deliverance happening in the room that was just, just radical. So what demons are after, I'm almost done, and then we're gonna see what happens after that. Um, thank you guys. What demons are after and what, what might be some telltale signs that you might have one? I want to reiterate, it's not a shame to have a demon. It is a shame to keep one. Deliverance is, is for the Christian. When, when Jesus is uh, walking, a, a woman comes up to him and says, hey, she's a Gentile, and says, hey, deliver my daughter from a demon. And Jesus says, um, but at this time, he's only helping the Jews. His ministry is for the Jews right now. And this Gentile woman comes up and is like, please help, please help. And he says, I'm not going to give the bread of my children to little dogs. It sounds really harsh, but he was like trying to see like how much faith she had. So the, the bread, the deliverance, was for his children, the Jews, his people, for the church. Okay. She wanted the bread. Jesus gave the bread. She was, uh, she was delivered. Really awesome, okay? But just trying to get that argument out of the way that Christians can't have demons. They very much so can. Um, you will run into some pastors that will say, no, they can't. Ask them how many deliverances they've done on non-Christians, and I'll tell you every single deliverance I've ever done was only on Christians, okay? I think that the, this is just, I don't want to rant about this. I don't want to flame the church. But I wish, I wish so badly that the church would partner better to, with each other into being able to understand, okay, this church is really good at this. Yeah. Like, maybe we have something to learn from them. Yeah. Like, we might not be the best church ever at this particular thing, but I bet you, if there is a church that's nearby that could build me up in it, like, dude, if I hear of that, I'm going to go ask and say, like, how can, how can you help us, like, spread? Because we're all on the same team. We don't have to, like, agree on every, every theological thing, but when it comes to, like, the empowering of the Spirit, like, yeah. That's what I would have hoped would be happening and I'm praying would, ta would take place is that when somebody is like exercising the gifts, we'd be like, you got something going for you? Help us build that in our church. That's the way it should work, right? 
Yeah. We don't says the Bible says like just because you're not a hand uh, and you're not an eye doesn't mean you're not part of the body. We're all part of the body. That's what that can look like. And we, our effort would be that we have every single gift active in the church. Yeah. But the, sometimes it takes a little bit of building to get there. So all the help that we can get, let's yeah. get all the gifts in here because they're powerful and they're effective anyway. Some of the characteristics that you might have a demon. Um, this is something that. Uh, I want us to be, be aware of because this portion of the service is where I, I don't want you to disengage. I don't want you to feel like something is kind of like getting in between me and me and you and you paying attention. So one thing is that demons want to strip off the image of God and make you look as far from him as possible. They want to try to get you to reject his good and perfect law. The Lord doesn't create a law and create rules to make things not not fun or anything like that. It's because he, he built it so he has the best idea and intention in mind for it. So it's not so that he can test you and just take things away and be like, now you have to you know live a lesser life. Like he wants you to live the fullest life. But the enemy doesn't. There's an exchange there where we really have to fight for what, what the Lord wants for ourselves. So we gotta take that. But a few characteristics of having a demon would be unwelcome thoughts such as, um, I've heard like sometimes like just like you should just you should just kill yourself. Like you're 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 worthless. Like you nobody loves you. You have if you have that going on in your head and you know that's not you. You know that's not something that you believe, but after a while maybe it's tricked you into thinking that this thought has been so welcome for a long time that maybe it's it is actually for you. It's not that's not what the Lord wants for you. That's not the Lord's voice. It's a foreign voice, and it doesn't, it doesn't belong. So any, sometimes they will manifest in like pain in a certain place on your body. It could be a spirit of depression on you that needs to be lifted off and needs to be gone. Um, when something is, is true, is presented to you, and it's almost like there's a thought that tries to intercept that, catch that, and throw that away. I've had one person, and I bet a lot of people do this, um, is whenever I, I was talking, they would say, like, dude, Zach is crazy. And I'm sure that isn't always a demon. It might actually be I'm a little crazy sometimes. But in this case, I was only talking about the Lord. And it's just like, dude, this guy is crazy. Dude, don't believe anything he says. And he's like, I was trying to really believe you because I do believe the Bible. I believe what you're saying, but something is telling me that you're crazy and I just couldn't focus. I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't actually and truly engage. So what we need to know in order to make sure that we're completely protected is one, we need to get rid of these things. So if you feel a little bit discomfort coming in your direction, sometimes you'll start falling, feeling really sleepy Sometimes you'll be like really fidgety and you'll start sweating, getting a little bit nervous because I hope these, you know, demon would know what is, what is about to take place and that they would start manifesting in some way so that you can be encouraged to get that taken care of. Yeah. But all of this is unto accepting free love gift in its absolute entirety, in its absolute fullness with not just acceptance being the foundation of what love entails, but taking you as you are and loving you enough to change you and build you into who God actually has you to be. If the worship team wants to come up real quick.
Love believes and hopes for the greatest outcome. Love welcomes and accepts while still holding fast to what is right and true. Love does not applaud someone who is content on their path when it surely leads off a cliff. Love would chase, love would help. Love would move with compassion to redirect. Sometimes love is quiet and sometimes love is loud. Sometimes it opens up an ocean so you have a path and sometimes it compassionately waves goodbye as you drift into a greater season of life. If you feel like there is a tangible love for you in the deepest sense that you just haven't been able to grasp, like you've been to church, you know the word, and you feel like the Lord is coming for you and he wants you, he wants to share with you and he wants to build you up. He wants to assure you and give you peace that you are comforted and taken care of, but you can't really grasp it. Something is like holding you back. And we wanna get that taken care of today. So I'm gonna pray real quick and I'm gonna call a few things out. Lord, I ask that you would, um, you would move only as you can. Lord, you're the only one that can change hearts. Changing of a heart is a miracle, and that's only something that can take place by you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill this place up. Come and fill every single heart. and Come illuminate any darkness that is inside of us come against the spirit of addiction right now. Come against the spirit of pornography right now. We come against the spirit of depression, worthlessness. You come out in Jesus' name. It's not for you to carry that. You have been washed by the blood. The blood has a better word for you. That addiction that has kept you kept you comfortable, that keeps on nagging at you and having a louder voice than the Lord does. That needs to be eradicated and that needs to be taken care of. In Jesus' name, leave. In Jesus' name, leave. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Lord, come and just show these things. Come and take care of them, Lord. Come and just activate us in prayer that, Lord, we would just have such a desperate urge to come and be with you that we would do anything to break off these chains, that we would allow you to do your work and break off these chains. If anyone struggles with addiction, I encourage you to fight against that right now in Jesus' name. Come against it. Come against it in your prayers. If you would, uh, if you would repeat after me, pray with me. I renounce the spirit of addiction. I renounce the spirit of infirmity. I renounce the spirit of worthlessness.
I renounce the spirit of disease. Lord, I'm calling on you to fill me up, to overflow, and to show me anything that's holding me back. Holy Spirit, fill us up. I renounce the spirit of pride. I renounce the spirit of lust. I renounce the spirit of trauma. I renounce the spirit of heartbreak. And Lord, I'm asking for your fullness. Lord, we ask that you come and wage war on anything and everything that separates us from you. Lord Jesus, come and have your way. All right, you can stop repeating after me. If you feel like uh, any of the this resonates with you, um, we're going to be praying up here and asking the Lord to come and deliver and free you. Remember, as I said, it's not a shame to have a demon. It is a shame to keep one. The freedom that, that, that is to come when you become completely eradicated of this thing that's holding you back, the Lord wants to show you who he is. There's an area in your life that is keeping you from understanding and realizing his fullness, then it's worth grasping, it's worth understanding, it's worth coming to the table and seeing what he has in store for you. Don't leave this place the same. I pray that our hearts, every single time we enter into church, would be that when we encounter the ministry of Jesus, that as a byproduct of that ministry, we would always be changed. We would always leave with more of him and less of us every time that we enter into that atmosphere. So Holy Spirit, come and make that so. Holy Spirit, come and build us up and give us courage. Lord, I pray that you would just give the courage and the desire in anybody here who has an unwelcome spirit. Unwelcome spirit, we're calling you out. You have to go. You have to leave. In Jesus' name. We're gonna have some people up here praying. If you feel as though something is holding you back, holding you down, if you feel like you have a neighbor who is acting a little bit unnatural, then I ask you to, to encourage them to come up as well or you have some one of us come to you. Lord, we ask that you would just come and move as only you can. You would deliver and you would show us your ministry for deliverance in Jesus' name. You are, you are welcome to come up.